0: Hey, folks, John Solomon here from John Solomon Reports. I'm proud to be on the iHeartRadio app every day with my podcast, with the news that we bring, the exclusive interviews. And you know what else is great? You can listen to any iHeartRadio station anywhere in the country inside this free download. download the iHeart app radio. If you don't have it right now, the iHeart radio app is a winner. Be sure to download the free iHeart radio app today and start streaming your favorite radio stations, your favorite podcasts, and your favorite music playlists right from the iHeart radio app. Hello, America, and happy Tuesday, Election Tuesday. Yeah, that's right. There's elections in Georgia and Alabama and several other states. We're going to be keeping a close eye on that. Sarah Huckabee Sanders could be the nominee for governor in Arkansas. We'll getting one step closer to returning to the governor's mansion where she grew up as a child under her father, Mike Huckabee. A very important night. We have the Purdue... Kemp race. We've got the Rafsenberger heist race. We've got the race in Alabama for Senate. A lot of people are keeping their eyes on. Herschel Walker, very good chance of becoming the Republican nominee and going up against Raphael Warnock in a seat that Republicans really want to capture to take back control of the Senate. So many important Elections are going to be decided tonight on the Republican side, and we're going to have wall-to-wall coverage in the morning. But today, before all of the election fund starts, we want to dial down into what was a truly consequential moment in American foreign policy yesterday. Yes, another moment, a gaffe, a blunder, a misspeak, a misspoken proclamation by President Joe Biden. Again, another circumstance where he took a reporter's question and answered it in a way that was not consistent with American policy and it created a kerfuffle across the world. So we've got not one, but two amazing guests to address what Joe Biden did on Taiwan. First up, the former Secretary of State, Mike Pompeo, he spent some time with us on our TV show last night. We've adapted that for an incredible part of this podcast. So you're going to enjoy what the Secretary said and the danger that he sees America facing because of Joe Biden's constant ambiguity and missteps on the world stage. And then right after that, You love having him on the show. He's a straight talker with really great skills one of the most trusted intelligence experts in our United States Fred Flights former chief of staff to the National Security Council he's going to be here in a second and we're going to follow up on all of those issues Russia Ukraine China Iran North Korea lots of hot spots in the world and they're getting the temperatures rising in all of them and a lot of people fear it's because Joe Biden has not been clear and let me walk through why what Joe Biden did yesterday was so consequential because a lot of people say, oh, it didn't seem that big a deal. What's the deal about it? Why am I worried about this? And I think that the answer is we have clear policy agendas. We have clear messages that we leave our allies and our foes alike. And in the case of this one, the president stepped out. So on the question of China in Taiwan. We have always said that we support uh, free and independent Taiwan, but we left ambiguous what our military intentions are should there have been a China invasion. But yesterday, the president was asked, would the United States directly inject its military into Taiwan if China attacked it? And he said yes. That removed the years of ambiguity that is official policy. The idea is that the ambiguousness of it left China doubting what we might do. And that's always been part of our deterrence. I think you'll hear from the Secretary of State and from Fred Flights that this was, in statement, a change of policy that wasn't intended for. It hadn't been prepared for. It hadn't been rolled out. hadn't been explained to friend and foe alike. And as a result, it has confused the world. And this keeps happening, right? The president keeps misspeaking, keeps making up things or answering reporters' questions that get him, his administration, and this country in a negative light on the world stage. These aren't things that happen here in domestic policy. And I think it's creating an aura that America is weak and confused in lacking in clarity. And let's just remind you of some of the examples recently. There was a time not that long ago where the president seemed to be suggesting that he supported regime change, meaning forcibly removing Vladimir Putin as president of Russia. That, of course, had to be walked back. Another time is he said that Vladimir Putin was a war criminal. That's the specific designation the United States government makes. The White House had to walk that back saying the president was commenting in the esoteric, but not as a matter of policy. Of course, there have been all of the failures in Afghanistan as well. We basically had 13 Americans killed because of our ambiguous exit without a strategy, without a clear plan to protect the country. That's why it fell so quickly from the Taliban. That's not my assessment. That's the assessment of the Special Inspector General for Afghanistan just last week. So these are consequential statements that Joe Biden has made. They're not clear because they have to be walked back. So it appears that he's setting a new policy and then it's walked back and the world is left scratching its head. Taiwan, Russia, Ukraine, Iran, Afghanistan, they've all had evidences and infections from the president's failure to be clear about this. And as a result, the world, as I think you'll hear from Mike Pompeo on the next block and the block after that Fred Flights is a less safe place. All right. Well, let's not wait any longer. Let's hear a quick word from our great partners, sponsors, advertisers, the people that make this show and Just the News possible. And then we'll come back. And first up will be Mike Pompeo, the former Secretary of State for Donald Trump. Statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease, and it's not a substitute or alternative for care from a health care provider. Folks, if you owe back taxes, fair warning, you're not going to like this. The IRS is mailing millions of pay-up letters. Millions, I say. Welcome back, everybody. We're so blessed to have this next guest with us. He just came back from a very important uh, trip overseas where he drew a great contrast between his approach to foreign policy and that of the Biden administration. Joining us right now, the former Secretary of State, Mike Pompeo. Mr. Secretary, an honor to have you on.
1: It's great to be with you, John. It's great to be with you too, Amanda. Good to see you all again.
0: You as well. Sir, you uh, went where a lot of people haven't gone before, Ashraf Three, the camp where the Iranian resistance group, MEK, is currently housed. Why was that important? And how did it draw such a distinction for the Biden approach to Iranian protesters?
1: Well, John, this was a continuation in some ways of the philosophy that I had when I was a secretary of state. The notion was we want to do everything we could to support the Iranian people. Now, those who have nobly resisted inside of the country, this terrible terrorist, theocratic, uh kleptocratic regime uh we wanted to help them and so i went there to be with a group of people who are part of that resistance movement part of the group of people who are trying to deliver better outcomes for the iranian people that is a very different model than handing the iranians uh, 80 billion dollars giving them a pathway to a nuclear weapon and frankly rewarding them for their intransigence over the past decade and their continued work to build out their nuclear capabilities
2: Secretary, if you sat down with President Biden and were directing him, giving him wisdom on how to deal with this, how to support these protesters in Iran, what, what would be your advice to him?
1: So there's a couple things. The, the first is to the, when, when resistance rises up, as they're doing today, there are riots, there are protests inside of Iran, even as we sit here tonight. Uh, the, the regime pushes back on them. It takes money to do that. The first rule is You have to deny them the resources to pay the Basij, their domestic terror force. You have to pay them. uh, You have to deny them the money to pay the IRGC, the folks who actually run their external terror operations. All of these things make it hard for the resistance. And then inside. First, it's first, it's philosophical. John, you know this, right? When America says good things, when America says, no, you're protesting, we are with you. That matters to people who are making real difficult decisions inside of their country. And then second, there are some tools some of which I can't say much about. There are some capabilities that that the United States has to allow the Iranians to communicate amongst themselves. And if we can do that, if we can help them communicate, help make sure that the resources that they need are there, we can help the Iranian people ultimately demand the kind of government that it is that they've wanted. This is a great, rich nation and important people. And I pray one day that the Iranian people will have the government that they, they so richly deserve and that so many of those 80 million people want.
0: Yeah, and it seems the Biden approach to Iran is full of mixed messages, right? We, you didn't comply with the Iranian inspectors or the UN inspectors, but we still want to do a deal with you. We're against the Russia's uh, invasion in Ukraine, but we need Russia's help to get this Iran deal. How does those mixed messages play on the world stage?
1: Ah, you know, we saw we've certainly seen it on Iran. We certainly saw it in Russia. Uh, Chairman Kim's talking about lighting up a nuclear weapon, right? A test, uh, and then even today we saw. Uh, President Biden in Asia give a really mixed, funny, odd message about uh, what it is we're actually prepared to do to help the Taiwanese people defend their sovereignty. Uh, People around the world see that if the the American leaders can't be trusted, not just in the things that they say, but in the actions that they take, it is those deeds, John, that you and Amanda, you, you all know, they follow these things so closely. They watch what America does, and when we behave in a way that sits at the table with the Iranians along with the Russians, who are killing Ukrainian civilians and try to cut a nuclear deal. If you're the Kuwaitis or the Omanis or the Saudis or the Emiratis or any other Gulf state, you're thinking, boy, I may have to be capable of having a counterweight, a counter weight against Iran. This was a, it's a, a mistaken policy. It will come back to put enormous costs on the Iranian people and therefore on our friend and ally in Israel as well
2: yeah, and unfortunately, I think mixed messages um, plays plays a part in the Russia-Ukraine crisis as well. Um, what do you think the end game is for Russia, and uh, what's what's the latest? What's your opinion on what's happening?
1: Now, Amanda, I think the end game in Russia has been pretty apparent for as long as Vladimir Putin's had any power. His objective is pretty darn clear. all the the difficulty, all the lost lives, the the crushing of the Russian military efforts around Kyiv, None of those are going to change Vladimir Putin's intention. That means that the West, Europe first, the United States also, we have to do the things that deter. And that is, to your point, man, this is about credibility. When the Trump administration spoke, we were careful. We were restrained. We didn't run around saying we were going to send the 82nd Airborne or the 101st Airborne Division everywhere. But when we said we were going to do something, we committed to it. We lived up to it. Our deeds matched our rhetoric, our words. We, we didn't speak with a huge voice demanding other nations conform to us in places that didn't have an American interest at heart. But when we said we were going to do something, whether that was with Korea or Iran or against the Chinese Communist Party, we actually executed on those very stated intentions.
0: Yeah, so important to be consistent. Uh, today, you alluded to the statement that President Biden made suggesting that we would militarily intervene if uh, Taiwan was attacked. <coughs> Obviously, the law is a little bit vaguer saying we would support, you know, militarily support. And then the White House has been walking that back a little bit. How big a blunder was this today?
1: You know, John, I suppose one mistaken set of words, I don't know, maybe he actually meant it. I actually wish they would have a stronger policy when it comes to Taiwan. I, I actually support what it is, I think the president said. But I'm not sure anybody either understands exactly what he said, including his own staff. This would have been something, this would have been a change in policy that you'd prepare for and actually execute strategically as opposed to a random answer to a question. And then, John, it comes against the context of a president who has misspoken so many times. He said we were going to send troops to Ukraine. And then he said we weren't. He said it was okay for a minor invasion of Ukraine. And then, of course, it it wasn't. Um, He, you know, he he walked us through a a minefield in Afghanistan where 13 Americans killed. This comes across a backdrop of American weakness. And so to have the president say this today and then have his team run out and I don't know, I guess they countermanded what he said. It's a bit confusing. I couldn't tell you what american policy is today and that's dangerous that is dangerous for the united states but our adversaries don't understand what risks are upon them and our friends don't know what we're prepared to do to support them
2: yeah mixed messages again okay secretary we just have about 60 seconds left i wanted to get your perspective um a couple weeks before the ukraine conflict uh started Between Moscow and Beijing, they expressed that there was a no limits friendship. However, it appears that maybe there are limits because as of today, as we know, President Biden is in Asia. Uh, Forty seconds. Get your thoughts on that.
1: Yeah, I don't think there are many limits on what the Chinese Communist Party intends uh, to do alongside what it views as its Russian junior partner. Most importantly, I'm guessing that Xi Jinping really wants access to that Russian energy. The, The rest of the world is beginning to walk away from it, although, frankly, not fast enough. And I figure he believes deeply he can get discounted Russian energy for decades to come. They are partners, they are authoritarian regimes, they share a value set, which doesn't value human life. I suspect that China and Russia only closer.
0: We just got a few more seconds with the secretary. I want to ask if you had a few minutes with President Biden, what advice would you give him on the Russian-Ukraine conflict?
1: Be consistent, be serious, don't telegraph what you're not going to do every day and all day, certainly not in public. And make clear, make clear to uh, Vladimir Putin that we're going to continue to press this case. We're going to press our European partners to put enormous financial pain on him until such time as he puts his guns to rest. That would be the most important thing, to get the guns to stop. And then we can resolve how to move forward in this place. We, we lost deterrence, John. And when you lose deterrence, it is nightmare to get it back.
0: It sure is, sir. And you showed us what deterrence was when you were Secretary of State. That's why we didn't have any problems in the region. <laughs> sir, thank you for, for joining us today. Great honor to have Bless you on. You. Thank you, John. Thank you, Amanda. So long. Thank
1: you. Thank
0: you. Wow, what a great interview with Mike Pompeo. We're going to take a quick commercial break. When we come back, Fred Flights, the former CIA analyst, former House Intelligence Committee staffer, former chief of staff to the National Security Advisor under Donald Trump. He'll be up next. He has a lot to talk about, including that blunder on Taiwan, right after this. Visit AMAC, AMAC.US, just news to become a four year member for just $30. That's a great discount. AMAC is not only better for America, it's better for you. Membership gives you access to the AMAC magazine, free Social Security and Medicare guidance, money saving discounts, trusted news, sweepstakes, and so much more. It's a community, not a service. Take advantage of our election year sale. Four years for just $30 at AMAC. By joining over 2 million Americans, they can't ignore your voice in Washington anymore. Join now at AMAC.us/justnews. That's AMAC.us/justnews. All right folks, welcome back from the commercial break. Always glad to have this next guest on. He is one of the smartest most important thinkers in the national security space, former chief of staff to the National Security Advisor, longtime intelligence analyst for the United States government. Joining us right now, my good friend, Fred Flights. Fred, good to have you on the show. Hey, John, good to be here. I couldn't have a better day. The day after the Taiwan dust-up with uh, D- Joe Biden, uh, what appears to be a, 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 a statement of change of policy with a single word answer, yes, your take on what Joe Biden did yesterday in Japan.
3: Well, you know, John, my my initial reaction was I thought this seemed pretty sad because he didn't initiate the statement that uh, the U.S. would intervene militarily if China attacked Taiwan. He responded to a question. And we've seen time after time he's asked a question that he doesn't know the answer to, and he makes a response that is meaningless or nonsensical. And in this instance, if you look at him, he looks like a deer in the headlights. He clearly didn't know what he was saying. And today he backed off on that statement. He reversed it and his staff reversed it uh, immediately. And this is the third time the president of the United States appeared to make a major policy change on our approach to China that was immediately walked back by the White House staff. So I'm sorry, I don't think this is a policy change. I do think that this reflects dangerous incompetence by the leader of the free world.
0: Yeah, and the word dangerous, uh, Mike Pompeo was just on the show. He said the same thing, that we are creating such ambiguity for both our friends and our foes, and it puts America in far graver danger. Uh, how do uh, how does China, how does Japan, how do other nations end up reading this? Because uh, uh, you know, everybody looks to the leader of the free world to have clarity, and it seems as though they have ambiguity every time Joe Biden speaks. Do you remember
3: the last time that President Xi made a major statement on policy and the staff walked it back? Yep. You don't. Because no. they don't do that. No, no they, <laughs> You're right. Does that. It's never happened. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's worth realizing how extraordinary this is. If Donald Trump had said this, it would have been U.S. policy. and and the world would be enthralled. They'd be angry, they'd be talking about it. The Chinese were upset at this, but they weren't that upset because they know that Biden says things that he doesn't mean. And I think this is creating huge problems for our friends and enemies because they're looking for US leadership and that's why we're seeing such an unstable world. They see a president who's weak, who has an incoherent foreign policy, the priority of which is climate change, He has an incompetent staff, an incredibly incompetent staff. This is creating opportunities for for our enemies, and I think it's going to drive some of our adversaries and some of our friends to make new arrangements because they have to get around this period of American weakness, and it's just bad news for our country and the world.
0: Yeah, it is absolutely remarkable. There was a uh, column in the New York Times by uh, Tom Friedman, who I always get a, a kick out of reading, My Lunch with President Biden. And the whole effort of this column just before the president left for Asia was to say, hey, I know everybody thinks President Biden is a knucklehead and doesn't know what's going on, but he's really got it together. He deserves a lot of credit. He's, he's Churchill on Ukraine. Uh, Tom Friedman, did he uh, did he miss something or did he catch something we're all missing here?
3: I thought maybe he was on drugs. I read that. Piece.
0: <laughs> maybe that's what he caught some drugs. I, I'm thinking he sat down
3: with Biden for an hour. It must have come through to him that Biden isn't operating on all, on all cylinders. And and Friedman still wants to complain about Republicans and the election and and and, and what happened on on January sixth and and how unfair it is the way Republicans are treating Biden. Well, I like Friedman to talk about the fifty-one intelligence officers who said just before the election that the Hunter Biden laptop was Russian disinformation. That revelation could have cost the election. Yeah. Could have determined the election. But, you know, the Democrats don't want to talk about that. They want to cover for Biden. And this ridiculous article portraying Biden as a Churchill. And then there are other articles today, John, where it we're basically saying that maybe Biden's onto something here. Maybe he deliberately said these things about Taiwan. Watch the tape. He clearly didn't know what no, he was doing. No doubt. And I think it's shameful that the, that the New York Times and other newspapers are not writing about this because this is a real problem for our national security.
0: Yeah, and let's remind people of a couple other instances where joe biden did this recently again with potential consequences he, he called for he appeared to call for regime change in, in russia uh and uh and then i think he said he was sending troops to ukraine to walk that one back and then uh he also let's see there's uh, other ones that have come up in the last couple of weeks that are similarly uh shocking this is a pattern now right this isn't just a one-time foot and mouth it seems like every time he's on the world stage, he creates a level of instability in the understanding of Americans' intention. Is that a fair way of looking at this? I, I think it's
3: right, and as I said, it's sad. I mean, look, he's, he, he's a human being who, who has served his country in the Senate for a long time. Maybe we disagree with his politics, but I think we should have some compassion and recognize this is something many of us are going to go through. And I think this is so bad, John, that he should not, again, take questions— From the foreign press when he travels he can meet with foreign leaders he can't take questions because when he he makes a statement like this in a foreign country on a crucial national security issue it's hurting us it's hurting us bad and it's and it's happening over and over again as you said it happened when he went uh, to eastern europe it's going to happen again
0: yeah, such an important point. that uh, We can't keep letting this recurring uh, nightmare keep happening. Um, I want to flip to another subject because it was a very interesting interview over the weekend by uh, Bob Gates, the former defense secretary, former CIA secretary, somebody I've watched in action for a long time. And he tends to be pretty sage in, in sizing things up. Uh, and And he said it is remarkable that Vladimir Putin created a self fulfilling prophecy for himself which is he said he was invading ukraine to stop the expansion of uh, nato and in fact he encouraged the expansion of nato with finland and sweden and maybe others in the in the offing um is the long term legacy of vladimir putin's uh, military attack on ukraine going to be that he made nato stronger
3: it looks that way uh and it it it, it you know we're still stunned at how the russian army collapsed how badly it performed uh how bad the intelligence was that putin was provided on ukrainian defenses how hard they would fight back yeah. this is a monumental failure on many levels and and i i think it's going to have profound implications for russia maybe putin won't be overthrown in the near term but i think a future leader is coming who's going to make some major changes i mean this country is suffering economically it's isolated I know its revenue is up because of oil sales in in some ways, but there are real problems that the people of the country are feeling, uh, and he really did achieve the opposite of what he was trying to achieve.
0: Yeah, I think that uh, was such an amazing part of this. Um, you've been one of the most important voices for a very long time, warning that... The Biden-Obama approach to an Iranian nuclear deal is bad for America, bad for the world, bad for Israel. How do you handicap where we are in those negotiations? It seems as though if if the Israeli prime minister is accurate, that they already have what they need or are on the cusp of having what they need for a nuclear weapon. So why do the deal at all? What's your take on it right now?
3: It looks like the Iranians aren't going to agree to a deal until the U.S. agrees to take the Iranian... Revolutionary Guard off of the U.S. list of terrorist organizations. And we've been seeing uh, Biden officials try to explain that this doesn't really matter, or maybe we'll ask them not to attack us. You know, they'll promise maybe a pinky swear. They will, they'll, they'll promise not to engage in acts of terrorism. And this is so absurd that there's a large number of Democrats who are just saying to the Biden administration, don't do that. We, we know this is the terrorist arm of the Iranian government. And they will do what they did after the 2015 nuclear deal. After they get a huge influx of cash, they're going to spend it on terrorism, building missiles and nuclear weapons. Like they, that that's going to re, that's going to resume. So unfortunately, it looks like the Iranian government is saving the Biden administration from itself. I, I don't think they're going to change their position. I think they're going to hold out for this, and they also want to promise that the next U.S. government, the next president, will not withdraw from this new terrible deal. And that's a promise that as much as Biden would like to provide it, he can't give.
0: Yeah, no, that's exactly right. It is such a remarkable situation he finds himself in. The Iran itself, uh, there was a moment in 09 where the internal protests were significant enough a lot of people think Obama missed a chance to topple the regime there seems to be a growing unrest among the Iranian people sometimes about very basic things like bread and and uh you know, there's a there was a, a explosion and people weren't getting rescued properly um do you think the regime is in a more dire state at this moment and is Biden taking the right tack with them I think it can
3: probably hold on but there were 50 there, there were demonstrations in 40 or 50 cities over the weekend a lot of it is is uh, because the economy is so bad that people can't get food. Part of that is because of the war in Ukraine and Russia. But a lot of it is corruption. And these people aren't just protesting for food. They're calling for regime change, which is incredible to imagine that they are Iranians saying death to the dictator, meaning let's bring down the supreme leader. Uh, these are very brave people <laughs> who would yes. say such a thing. I'm afraid that the regime still has an iron grip on the country, but it is a very young country. And the young people of this country are pretty savvy, and I don't know if the revolution to overthrow the ruling mullahs is 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 in the immediate future, but I do think it, it's coming. My good friend Michael o'dean thinks it's coming, and uh, I don't know if you know Michael; he hasn't been well. But I know if he was on this program, he would
0: tell you that it's coming. Yeah, no, I think that's probably right. Uh, you wrote a very powerful op-ed over the weekend, and then in my old. Johnson, Washington Times, a place I love and enjoy so much. A lot of people get the America First intention wrong. And that is really what America First is, is defining the American interest before making national security decisions. But it doesn't mean that America goes it alone or that we're isolationist. We're quite quite the opposite. America is as engaged as ever, even under Donald Trump it was. Why is that getting demagogued so much?
3: Well... The press hates America first because it says, put the interests of the American people first, either domestic or foreign policy. We want a strong America, a strong America with a strong military will keep us out of foreign wars. It will discourage presidents from being tempted to sending our troops into conflicts abroad where they don't belong. Well, part of America first is doing things that the Savage says you shouldn't do, like moving the U.S. embassy to Jerusalem pulling out of the terrible nuclear deal so the the washington post and the new york times they've written against america first they hate this so the post wrote an op-ed that america First is america at its worst and i wrote a rebuttal that appeared in the washington times i'm sorry the washington post wrote that i wrote a rebuttal that appeared in the washington times because the washington post wouldn't give us enough space to respond isn't that amazing on how america first is america at its best and what a successful approach it is to governing and to keeping our nation safe and free. And we've gotten a lot of good feedback on this.
0: Yeah, it's a powerful article. Folks, if you haven't read it, go over to the Washington Times and read it. It's uh, Fred and and, uh, General Kellogg. They really put together a powerful explanation. And quite frankly, Before the era of Obama, the idea that the American uh, uh, priority needed to be defined as part of the national security was the policy of almost every president through maybe Reagan, maybe up through Clinton and Bush. Uh, There was a concept that you had to define the American interest. How did that get thrown out the window? How did it get such a dirty title, just having that important importer in uh, the process of uh, foreign policy and and national security policy?
3: Well, look at what they did. They signed this terrible Paris climate accord, which our enemies who are polluting aren't going to abide by, but it's going to kill the American economy and the American worker. Why do we sign it? Because the elites wanted us to. They signed, they they agreed to this terrible nuclear deal with Iran. They rammed it through without Senate ratification. The elites wanted this agreement. It's a terrible agreement. But, uh, you know, if you go to the the, uh, JFK school at Harvard or the Council of Foreign Relations, they love this. They love agreements. But it was bad for our country. It was good for Iran. It was good for multilateralism, uh, and I, I think that you know many Democrats have lost um, perspective that in government they first should be promoting the interests of the American people, the American worker, the American economy, and not what the UN tells them to do, or what the Council of Foreign Relations tells them to do. And that's why the left hates America first.
0: Yeah, no, it's amazing. When did globalism become the predominant thought pattern of not only um, the Democratic Party, but I would say there's a wing of the Republican conservative movement that has adopted a lot of globalism, more willing to embrace the goals of NGOs and and, uh, and Uber bodies over the American interest. How did that become so fashionable?
3: You're right. There are There are Republicans who have been tempted by the appeal of multilateralism. And look, if we can work through the UN, if we can work with allies, we should try to do that. But the UN and Europe do not have a veto over our foreign policy. We're and Sometimes we have to act alone to defend our interests because the Europeans dither and can't make a decision. And the UN not only can't make a decision, it's anti-American. So we can use them as tools. But we don't rely on the United Nations to make our decision. Now, now Obama certainly did that, and that is a, the approach of Joe Biden. He wants to do everything multilaterally through the United Nations.
0: Yeah, it really is amazing. Everything goes through there. World Health Organization, a lot of people concerned about these changes to the charter relationship with the United States that the Biden administration has signed off on. Another form of creeping uh, globalism in your mind?
3: Yeah, I think so. And, you know, I, I like the way that President Trump dealt with the World Health Organization, called them out for, for siding with China, for being manipulated by China. There's, there are so many U.S. adversaries who have filled these international organization bureaucracies to control them and to push them against the United States. And we know the World Health Organization did not tell the truth on the COVID virus. They, they covered for China. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that's I think most reporters figure that out eventually but very few of them will talk about it now
0: yeah no it's like it's like russia collusion things. oh we're just going to ignore it um one of the many great roles you played serving this country was on the house intelligence committee and i've been in washington 30 years i've never seen the house intelligence committee with less influence with less bipartisan respect it always had been a committee that had significant ability to stay above the politics until really adam schiff came along because adam schiff first tugs at at uh, Devin Nunes trying to misportray the Russia collusion and the rest of it has been since then. If Republicans gain control of the house next year, what is the number one priority for restoring the intelligence committee to a body that everyone can agree is doing important work?
3: Well, I think that's going to happen. I think Mike Turner, who is currently the ranking member will be the new chairman of the committee. I have met him. He's very impressive. He is. Uh, I don't know how he will fix the committee, but I'm certain it is a high priority for him uh, to to allow to conduct the aggressive oversight that's needed to keep, you know, our intelligence agencies operate in the dark. We have to know how they're spending their money. Are they spying on Americans? You know, are are they killing foreigners? Are basically there has to be some kind of an oversight for an organization that the american people can't see that breaks the law in other countries and if we have an organization that's crippled by politics as it has been under of ship that committee's not doing that
0: yeah so important and you know for over the years the committee's done amazing work some of the most important corrections and course corrections and improvements and capabilities have come because of the work but it doesn't seem to have any esteem with Adam Schiff and, and at least 50% of the country no longer trust what it is. Last question, because you were so, uh, such an important voice on this in the, when the Russia collusion narrative was being unraveled. History will look back, and it turns out that the Nunes report was accurate. The Schiff report was significantly inaccurate. Is there a lesson for everybody to learn in letting politics infect what it normally has been a, a political intelligence body?
3: Well... I'm discussing with how the intelligence community was was misused, but I will say most intelligence officers are professional; they're are not political. What I'm most upset about is this Durham investigation. His report should have come out before the 2020 election. Yep. What good is it now? Yeah. to hear that Hillary Clinton basically made up this narrative um, to corrupt the 2016 campaign and try to try to help her win by by smearing Trump and his and his campaign, you know nobody cares now. I mean, you know, you and I and pundits who follow this care, but this information was needed by the American people before the election. And I think that that should have been part of the process. If Durham was going to investigate this, the, the, the results should have been presented by September of 2020.
0: Yeah, yeah, there's no doubt. And you couple that with the fact that there were 51 intelligence professionals that misstated the possibility that the Hunter, they had no basis for it. Hunter Biden laptop was a disinformation campaign
3: you got to read my op-ed in the Washington Times. They should all have their security clearances pulled.
0: That's. I was just I've got to literally ask you that because the president's lawyer uh, sent a note over. Uh, Jesse Bennell sent a letter to the uh, review board asking them to consider that. You, you would support that, wouldn't you?
3: Look, these guys keep their clearances when they leave government, and they make huge amounts of money with Belt- Beltway bandit firms that work with intelligence and defense agencies. They should not have the benefits of being a former intelligence officer if they're going to meddle in a presidential election by misusing their careers,
0: yeah, uh, that's so well said and such an important point. A lot of people have forgotten that that obligation. You don't really leave the intelligence community if you keep that uh, that classification status. You 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 still serve your government in some way, and you have certain rules to live by. And they clearly didn't live by that and that. And I'm so glad that you've uh, you've taken that position and have, have made people smarter for it. Uh, Fred, it's always an honor to have you on the show. We always learn so much and uh, you are reminded when you're on the show, what peace through strength really looks like. So thanks very much for, for your great work. Well, thanks, John. Good to be here. Thank you. Thank you, sir. All right, folks, we're gonna take a quick commercial break. When we come back, we'll wrap things up. Folks, we're sponsored today by Donors Trust, the tax-friendly way to preserve your charitable giving. In times of crisis... Donors Trust clients are using their funds to support charities helping their local communities while also using their giving account to simultaneously support think tanks and liberty-minded organizations that believe our constitutional rights shouldn't get lost in a time of emergency. Now is the time to take a closer look at Donors Trust and join their community of liberty-minded donors by opening a donor-advised fund. Go to DonorsTrust.org slash JustNews for the ultimate survival guide to charitable giving and learn how a donor Advise fund can preserve your ability to give to the charities you love. That's slash just news. All right, folks, that wraps up another edition of John Solomon Reports. So, so great that you have joined us. I feel grateful you should join us tonight. First on Just the News, Not Noise, our TV show on Real America's Voice, Channel 219 on the Dish Network, Channel 240 on the Pluto Network. On all the apps, including Samsung, television sets, um, Roku, and of course, the Just the News app. Go download the Just the News app, hit the watch button, you'll be happy. So, at 6 o'clock, we'll have the early pre-show of what's going on in the elections. And all night long, we'll be covering the elections at JustTheNews.com. You can check it out 24-7. We'll have you covered. Big races, a lot at stake for President Trump with his endorsements, a lot at stake at what sort of candidate lineup we'll have going into the fall election as Republicans try to take back both the House and Senate. Very important moments. All right. Before we go, I want to just remind you, one of our newest partners is Dr. Marty Petz. He is doing such amazing work. You heard him on the show last week. He has created the sort of healthy dog food that really can keep your dog healthy and keep away from the dangerous food colors, the dangerous processed food and other artificial flavors and preservatives that really put your dogs at risk. I have two dogs that I adore, Bentley and Bailey. They are two doodles, they're amazing. I only want them to have the best, and you should too. That's why, for a limited time only, you're gonna be able to save 50% off your first order from Dr. Marty Pets. That's how you do it. You go to drmartypetscom slash justnews or text the word justnews to 511-511. That's easy to remember. Text the word Just News to 511511, and they're going to offer a 100% 90-day guaranteed return of your purchase price. They're also going to give you 50% off your first order. So all you have to do is go to DrMartyPets.com/JustNews or text the word Just News to 511511 to get started on a very important healthy food change for your incredible dog. Do it now. Tell Dr. Marty how much you love just the news and John Solomon reports. Go check out this food. Take advantage of that 50% off. Incredible generous offer. All right, folks, that wraps it up tomorrow. We'll have a wrap on the election day. A lot to talk about and a lot to sort through as we see who pulls off and who's going to be the nominee for governor in Georgia, who's going to be the Senate nominee in Georgia, who's going to be the Secretary of State nominee in Georgia and Alabama, the governorship in Arkansas, many big races all up together. And also a very important race in one of the Georgia congressional races where a former Democrat turned Trump Supporter Vernon Jones is running for office here now as a Republican. He switched parties. We'll see if he can secure the Republican nomination. Lots to be excited about in that period of time. All right, folks, that wraps it up. We'll be back tomorrow with all the great day after election coverage. Until then, may God bless you. And may God bless this extraordinary country, the United States. Thanks for listening. We'll be back tomorrow.
4: Can't pay the IRS. Haven't filed in a while. Receiving threatening letters. Yeah, it's about to get worse. The IRS is hiring an army of agents targeting hardworking Americans like you. You need warriors on your side. You need Tax Network USA. Tax Network USA employs brilliant strategies to solve your IRS problems quickly and in your favor. For instance, they've discovered a limited time special offer that the IRS is willing to waive $1 billion in penalties. Find out if you qualify before it's too late. Never call the IRS alone. Let tax network USA attorneys handle it. They have preferred direct lines to the IRS. They know which agents to work with and which to avoid. They've resolved over $1 billion in tax debts and offer a best in-class guarantee. Schedule your free consultation now. Call one 245 6000 That's one 800 245 two four five six thousand or visit taxnetworkusa.com slash victor. Taxnetworkusa.com slash victor.
0: You know what folks? Stress may be why you can't lose weight. If you've got moderate to high stress like I do, a doctor formulated weight loss supplement called lean could be your solution.